Today's scripture reading comes from Psalm 127, the Psalm of the Sense of Solomon. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of God's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning again. My name is uh, Gray. If we haven't met yet, I'd love to meet you after the service. I'm one of the pastors here. And today uh, we are returning to a series that we had dropped uh, a number of weeks ago. So if you've been around with us for a little while, you know that over the season of Lent, we looked very closely at the cross of Christ. And then we had Easter. And last week, um, we just heard from Pastor Eric. And, uh, and so we're returning back to a series that we had before the season of Lent, which was on the Psalms of Ascent. We didn't forget about them. We got exactly halfway through, and we wanted to come back and finish these psalms. So when I say the Psalms of Ascent, so let me just remind you or tell you for the first time that there are a group of psalms, Psalm 120 through 134, 15 psalms, that really in and of themselves form a little book within the psalms. And yet they, all of them have those first words, a song or a psalm of ascents. What are these psalms? Uh, these are the psalms that were collected at some point. So they were probably written over a couple of hundred years. Uh, we know that because the psalm today was written by Solomon. Solomon uh, was one of the first kings of Israel. So it says a song of, of, of Solomon. And others of the songs are, are written after Israel gets back from Babylon. They're, they're what, post-exile. And so there's a, there's a space here where these psalms are written, but under the direction of the Holy Spirit, at some point, uh, whomever we, we have, put these psalms together in order and put them together in a beautiful way to show us the rhythm of the life, the upward life of God. The, the ascent part, most likely... I don't know for sure, but most likely was referencing the walk from where they lived to the heights of Mount Zion, where the temple was in Jerusalem, and that is an ascent. You go up towards Mount Zion, and so it becomes this picture not only of the ascent to Jerusalem, but the ascent of a life with God. And so they're, they're songs for a journey. They're songs for a life that's built uh, towards God. And so we've been looking at those, um, and we're in Psalm 127, halfway through, right in the middle, beautifully put together. A song of Solomon is right here in the middle, and it talks about trusting in the Lord through our anxiety. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today. Before we dive in, let's go and ask the Lord for His help. Our Father, we are grateful for your word to come to this beautiful psalm and to sit before you and to be ministered to, to be healed, 
to be challenged, to be inspired, to be overjoyed by the truth. And so I pray, Father, that by your Spirit this morning, you would give us what we need. We come to you hungry, knowing that you're the only place where we can be satisfied. And so we ask for your help and for your glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So a number of years ago, we were getting one of our sons uh, tested. He had had some, uh, some symptoms that we weren't sure what was happening, so we took him in to a doctor. They recommended that we run you know, a panel of, of blood tests and to test to make sure that everything was okay. And so we went into this special clinic where he would get uh, his, his blood drawn and where they could send it off to a lab and analyze it. And we were coming in a little anxious to this, um, to this, this meeting, uh, just because of the symptoms he was having. And, and she, so he went to this clinic, they drew his blood, and the nurse who was on duty that day, God bless her, um, I'm sure that she meant well, um, and a number of you are nurses in this room, and I know your job is hard, and I'm thankful for you. But she made a comment to us that put us in a tailspin of anxiety. She, when, when the blood was drawn, she actually held it up to the light, and she said, hmm, this doesn't look good. That's what she said. I don't, to this day, I have no idea what she saw or what she thought she saw in that blood. But her words sent us into a tailspin of anxiety, into a panic for two days. We didn't know what to do. And what we discovered is that that anxiety is hard and hungry work. It's hard and hungry work. It's hard. I couldn't stop thinking about this. I couldn't stop the implications in my mind. I couldn't enjoy other things. I felt like I was working. My, my soul was working hard. I would also say that it was hungry work. What does that mean? It means that I couldn't get enough satisfaction. I kept calling people to ask for help, for prayer. I couldn't stop Googling worst-case scenarios. I couldn't stop feeding my brain. If this happens, then this will have to happen, and this will happen, and where will the money come for this? And all of these things, I was feeding myself on this anxiety. I wonder if you have experienced anxiety as that kind of hungry toil. It's hard and hungry work. I know that some of you are there right now. I know that some of you are staying up late, you're waking up early, you're spending every free moment returning to some kind of anxiety. And that anxiety is a kind of bread that feeds us in the moment, but it does not satisfy. That's why Solomon says in Verse 2, that we are eating the bread of anxious toil. It is vain, he says, that you rise up early and go, to late, go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. Consuming something that doesn't 
actually give you any satisfaction. And that's what anxiety does. It doesn't actually change our circumstances. It feeds us something, but it doesn't actually give us anything in return. This is what Spurgeon said about anxiety. This is helpful and beautiful. Anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows, but only empties today of its strength. Anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows. Whatever is going to happen is going to happen. Anxiety doesn't change your circumstances, but it does have the power to empty today of its strength. It has the the power to take away your sustenance, your life right now. We received the phone call two days later for my son. All clear. Just this huge relief, this huge exhaustion after we got this call. It was such a relief, but I felt hungry and tired still from the ordeal of that anxiety. Now, the Bible does call anxiety a sin. Jesus says, do not be anxious. That is his word to us. And so it does call it a sin. It is sinful. It can lead to sin, and it is sinful. But overwhelmingly, when the Bible talks about anxiety, it talks about something that we need to be released from. It can lead to sinful behavior. It can lead to doubting God. It doesn't necessarily always do that, but it is something that the Bible says is ineffective. That's actually what the Bible says the most about anxiety, is it calls it ineffective, vain. Three times in this passage, we're told that something is vain. The labors, those who build the house, labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain, in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest. This is vanity, Now, you know this psalm was written by Solomon, and he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, which also has the word vain often in it, but actually it's a different word. We talked about when we studied the book of Ecclesiastes that Solomon says, vanity is vanity, all is vanity. And what we talked about there is that what he's talking about there is the shortness of life. It's the the fleetingness. But, and so I didn't prefer to use the word vain in Ecclesiastes, but here it's a different word, and it's actually the word for vanity, for, for foolishness, for emptiness, empty, which relates to what he calls this bread of anxious toil. It's like the empty calories that we feed ourselves with. This is vanity. Jesus himself says something very similar when he says, do not be anxious because But which one of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour, a single span to your life? See, Jesus is highlighting there the ineffectiveness or the vanity of anxiety. Anxiety is something that every single one of us experiences. It's something that can be, of course, there's good stress that they talk about, the stress that keeps you from walking into the street or to protect your children. But the anxiety that we're talking about here is the kind of anxiety that keeps us up at night or wakes us up in the morning. It stays with us. It burdens us. And we need to see God's gracious invitation to us is this. Stop feeding your anxiety, but instead feed your dependency on Him. 
The bread of anxious toil doesn't satisfy. But there is a bread of life that will give you everything that you need. So I want to look at two different kinds of bread this morning. The bread of anxiety and then the bread of dependency. First, the bread of anxiety. As we've been talking about this, what Solomon says, it's vain that we eat the bread of anxious toil. I love the way the Psalms are organized. Psalm 127 is a beautiful, well-laid-out psalm. And oftentimes in the Bible, the, the heart of what a passage is about can be found in the middle. Not always, but often. It's in the middle, and then what surrounds it supports the main idea. And we can find here in the middle of Psalm 127 that phrase, the bread of anxious toil, but the Lord gives to His beloved sleep. The word anxious there is talking about these kinds of compounding anxieties that we have, the, the things that we feed ourselves with. In fact, in the, um, in the New Testament, in the, in the Septuagint, the Greek version of the New Testament, the same word is used here for the famous story between Mary and Martha. If you know that story where Jesus meets these two women and Martha is consumed with setting the table, she's consumed with many things, and Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And, and Martha comes to Jesus and she says to him, we tell Mary to help. And Jesus says to her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious. Same word. You're burdened about many things. It's speaking about the ongoing anxieties, the cares of the world, the cares of work, the cares of home, the things that consume us and that we look to consume us more. Solomon's basically saying this, you are looking for, for satisfaction through worry. You're looking for satisfaction through worry. There's a kind of internal dialogue. If I worry enough or if I get ahead of something or if I think about something enough, then I'll be able to be prepared to take care of it. We know how this logic works. We're looking through satisfaction, through worry. We're looking to be okay. You know, I see those commercials. I don't know anything about this company, but be okay financial. Uh, I just think Bach financial because that's, that's what it's, it looks like. And I see those commercials and I think, what a great advertisement. And I know nothing about the company. But don't we all just want to be okay? Be okay with our finances. The bread of anxiety is anything that keeps you up at night or causes you to start your day too early. Anything that causes you to lose sleep on either end. It's a feeling of being behind and needing to catch up. It's a feeling that you need to make one more sale. You need to get one more promotion. You need to get an edge over everyone else. You're anxious about falling behind. It's the feeling maybe in your family when, you, when you're thinking about your children. You want things for them and they don't have them yet or they're not able to get them and you, you want to motivate them but you can't do it so you stay up at night thinking about it. Really, the root behind it is this. If you think about the situation more, then you could change it. That's the feeling that we have. And what Solomon says, <coughs> this is the bread of anxious toil. It is a type of food, but it is empty calories. 
It consumes more calories than it gives. It robs today of its strength and doesn't change tomorrow's sorrows. It will not sustain you. Around this main point here that that Solomon gives us, this bread of anxious toil, it seems like a at first glance, a kind of random song uh, talking about lots of different things. The Lord building a house. The Lord watching over a city. And then the second half of the psalm was all about children being a heritage from the Lord. What is this getting at? Well, as you look at the psalm long enough, you begin to see the pattern of what Solomon is doing here. And really, there's a couple of different progressions that he's talking about when he talks about this bread of anxiety. The first progression that I see when I look at this is really the spheres of anxiety. The spheres of anxiety. This is really (coughs) the objects of the sentence, if you will. The places that he's talking about. What are these places? Well, there's three of them. The worship house, the public house, and the family house. See the objects of the sentence? Unless the Lord builds the house, verse 1. Now this certainly could be any house. This is Solomon that we're talking about. Solomon built his own house, but he also built the house of the Lord, which I think is mostly in view here. This is the, the church. This is his place of dwelling that the Lord charged Solomon, you will build the house of God. But Solomon realizes that unless the Lord builds it, it's in vain. He was given this project when David, his father, was not able to build the house because he had too much blood on his hands. But Solomon entered in with wisdom and said, I will build the house. But then it switches to the public house. Now we're not talking about the house of worship. We're talking about the house of the city. Unless the Lord watches over the city. The watchman stays awake in vain. (coughs) We've moved to a different sphere, to the public space, to the land of leaders, to politics, to our neighborhoods. This is the place where we work and play and live. And then the last sphere, I think, starting in verse 3 and beyond, is the sphere of the family, the family house where we have the gift of children, where we are known at the gates, where we have a family legacy. And so this progression highlights the spheres where anxiety exists. Do anxieties exist in the house of worship? Do we have anxiety in the church perpetually? Right now, some of the anxieties of today are this. Disregard, a general disregard of biblical ethics. Shrinking numbers, this is in America. Growing weakness, apostasy, false teaching, falling and failing pastors, and abuse scandals. Anxiety in the house of God. What about in the public house? Well, if we're going away from the doors of the church into the world, We're not going to get any relief from our anxiety, are we? Anxiety drives our politics. Anxiety drives our news cycle. 
Anxiety drives our neighborhood associations. Anxiety drives our work teams. What about in the family? In the shelter of the place where we can be closest. The sphere that God has given, ordained for our care. On the whole, it's a place of anxiety. Drama. Abuse. Neglect. Disordered attachments. Favoritism. Fighting about money. Divorce. There's plenty of anxious bread to eat from no matter which sphere of life we're in. Look at the psalm a different way. It's not just the spheres of anxiety. I see another progression here. There's almost the stages of anxiety. I think this is instructive. Not just the the places, the spheres, that's the objects of the sentence, but think about the verbs of the sentence as well. This is how we compound anxiety, we might say. Unless the Lord builds the house, the building, then there's watching. Unless the Lord watches over the city. And then there's giving. It's vain that you go to bed early and go to late rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for He gives His beloved sleep. He gives Children, they are the heritage. In other words, they are their inheritance. They are the gift from the Lord. And so I see here also a traditional path or stages that we sometimes go through with our lives. And these are really the questions of the stages of our lives. What can I build? What can I keep? And what can I leave behind? Do you see that? What can I build? What's my unique contribution? What company can I start? What niche can I carve out in my market? Could be a family. What can I build this family? Could be a church. Certainly the question when I graduated from seminary, what I wanted to do was to plant a church. What can I build? some point in our traditional path, our questions turn from what can I build to what can I keep. We start watching over, keeping the things that we have made. Going into maintenance. The Lord builds, the Lord watches, the Lord gives. At some point in our journey, traditionally, now some of us take different paths, of course, we then think about what can I leave behind? We start thinking about legacy. We start thinking in this traditional path about what is the next generation. There's a a feeling of that in this psalm too, right? That, That we get to the point of building and keeping, and then he talks about the family and having a legacy at the gates. At the end of the psalm, you'll be well known in the gates. Your enemies will not be able to speak. Because you have secured this life. Isn't that what we want? Quiver full of arrows, a legacy, a generation. 
You can do all this through the family lens, building a family, keeping your family, watching over your family, and then leaving a family legacy. You can do this through finances, building a portfolio, maybe stocks more at the beginning. Maybe you add in some bonds as you start to maintain. And then when you think about what you're leaving behind, you move it into safer investments still. This is the way that we do endeavors, whether it, whatever endeavor it is, work, family, finances. And in each one of these stages, there is anxiety. Think about the questions behind, what can I build? That anxiety, if it's on me, then I've got to build something. How do I keep this? How do I maintain what I have? How do I secure my legacy? The point is, through the different spheres and the stages of life, there is no shortage of anxious bread. You can pick any human, human endeavor, any sphere, any stage, and there will be questions about how this will be accomplished, and there will be anxieties. So we need to ask ourselves, where are we eating the bread of anxious toil? Where are we believing that by dwelling on something that we <coughs> are able to control it? And that can be sinful, and it is sinful, but it's also miserable. It's vain. Where are we eating the bread of anxious toil? Where are we so concerned? I know many of you are concerned about your finances. I know many of you are concerned about your family. You read Psalms like this, it's like the children of the heritage of the Lord, and it's a, this future perspective, and you're thinking, I know some of you are thinking, what happened? And you're, you're concerned about your children, whether they're three years old and they're, they're going through something and, and you're concerned about them or whether they're 28, 29, 35, whatever it is, and they're making life choices that you don't think are good for them and you feel anxious about them. And you stay up late at night or you wake up early in the morning eating this bread. Is there another way? There is another way. Not to eat the bread of anxious toil, but to eat the bread of dependency. We looked at the objects of the sentence, the spheres, the church, the home, the city. We looked at the verbs, builds, watches or keeps, gives. But let's not neglect the subject. The subject of the sentences is the Lord. Unless the Lord builds the house, unless the Lord watches over the city, He, that is the Lord, gives His beloved sleep. As long as you are the subject of the spheres and the stages of your life, you will experience anxiety. And so what we're called to experience when we read this psalm is the relief that we don't have to eat this kind of bread. 
that we are not the subject of the sentence. It doesn't say that if you want to build the house, then you need to work hard. And if you want to watch over the city, you better stay vigilant. And if you want sleep, you better get it for yourself. And if you want a legacy, you better secure it for yourself. That's not what, this, what the subject of this psalm is. It's the Lord who does these things, not us. Can you feel the relief that this the things that you're anxious about right now are really and truly not on your shoulders. Your life is in God. His story, His redemption, His church, His world, His public square, His home, His people are His. What happens to this world and to this life and even to your family is not up to you. Is there responsibility in the Christian walk? Of course there's responsibility. Is there prayer in seeking to do well? Of course there is. But there also has to be, at the end of the day, a clocking out from our own anxiety and focus. Because we don't live in our world. We live in God's world. And so those friends that you're concerned with that are they're making wrong choices and you just feel so worried about them and those finances that are so worrisome to you and the children who have left home that you're so concerned about, they are all in the Lord's hands. Yes, you're called to be faithful, called to be responsible with what God has given you. That's what the Scripture says. But don't take the burden of responsibility without the relief of dependency. The Lord is the one who builds His house. The Lord is the one who watches over the city. And the Lord gives sleep and children to those that are His. He is the one who is in control. And so as we eat of Him, this bread of dependency, we should expect some things to start happening for us increasingly as we eat more and more of Him and stop the diet of anxiety. What should we expect as we close today? First, expect an increasing trust. There should be an increasing trust. Can you imagine living a life where God builds what He builds and He watches over you completely, where He gives you sleep, where He provides what you need Well, whether you realize it or not, that's the world that you live in. It's true. You can trust the Lord. He builds. He gives. He watches. My uh, one-year-old son, he's turning one next month, Townsend, uh, we have built a little playpen for him uh, in our living room. And it's pretty big. It's like it's probably like 18 or 20 square feet. It's like it's it's pretty it's a it's a plush environment. Um, there's a pad on the bottom, and only safe toys are allowed to go in there. Things that he can't swallow. And so it's this little world for him, and it's soft on the bottom. And that's that's really important because as he's crawling right now and starting to stand up, and as he's getting from point A to point B, he often finds out that the quickest path is just to lurch backwards. Right? If you, you don't have to crawl, you can just kind of sling your head back and roll you know, to, to where you want to get. And because he's in that soft area, it doesn't hurt him when he does that. We were at uh, 
in the basketball gym a couple weeks ago watching his older brothers playing their basketball games. And I, I had Townsend, and I set him down on the floor in the gym, a hard surface, and I watched him. And he looked at me, and he started to lean backwards like he was in his playpen, and I had to catch him. And I had to watch him the whole game like that as long as he was on the floor. And he thought it was a fun game. Point is, he doesn't know how kept he is. He doesn't know how kept he is. I built him a soft environment in which to learn. And not only that, I watch over him. Even when the environment is hard. And what's going to happen is that hopefully he grows in his awareness of how much he is loved and kept, but I don't expect it for very and for a, for a long while. You don't know how kept you are. It is a growing awareness. What God has built for you, what He watches over, what He gives to you. The Lord is doing all of these things. And He's keeping us. And so we, we can experience the relief of finding ourselves outside of this story. We are not the subject of this psalm. The Lord is. Increasing trust in Him. Secondly, increasing Christ. That is, that Christ becomes more and more to us because how does God build His church and how does He watch over us? And how does He give us the, the sleep, the, the rest? All of those things are accomplished in Christ. He is the ultimate provision. And not for nothing is Jesus called the bread of life. The, bread, the true bread. The bread of heaven. Because we are called to feed on Him. To increasingly depend on Christ. And to see that life is not found anywhere else. You can't be sustained by anxiety, but you can be sustained by Christ. In fact, He's the only one who can sustain your life. He's the only bread, the Scriptures say, that satisfies. He's the only one that you need. And finally, what we should expect is increasing rest. Because God gives to His beloved sleep. The Scripture says that God does not sleep. And it's clear that he, does, he says that because He is the one who can be alert at all times. I struggle with sleep a lot. I don't sleep very much. But one night this week, I did sleep really well. Two nights ago. And like eight and a half hours, that's unheard of for me. And it, it changes the whole day when you sleep well, doesn't it? There's a, there's a kind of confidence and an infusion of, of well-being when we have rested well. And that kind of confidence, spiritually speaking, is available and physically speaking, is available for the child of God. Because He's building. He's watching. He's giving. And what are we doing? We are helping. We are His ambassadors. We are His children. Of course, we're in the family business. We take responsibilities. We're doing things in His name. But when the day is over, we clock out. 
We have to go to sleep. We have to rest. We get to rest. Because He's the one watching and building and keeping. We've done what we can, but that's not where our hope is. Our hope is in the Lord. And unless He does these things, it's vain, whatever else we try to do. Let's pray.